Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. In a region torn by conflict, some activists are hoping that building common cause around the environment will promote peace. This is Colleen Shaddix for the Yale Office of Public Affairs. I'm talking with Gidon Bromberg. He's director of Eco Peace, Friends of the Earth Middle East, an organization that unites Israelis, Palestinians, and Jordanians to protect shared natural resources. Bromberg is currently a World Fellow, part of Yale's intensive program of academic and leadership training for emerging leaders around the globe. One of the really interesting things about your organization is that you started out concerned that peace might actually be a danger to the environment. Can you talk about that? Well, in 1993-94, when we were really optimistic that the peace process was moving forward, environment was simply not on the agenda. Hmm. Uh, Massive plans for development were there, but sustainable development wasn't even mentioned. So our primary concern back in, in 94 was to place the environment on the agenda of the peace process. And, but you found a way to make the environment and peace work together. How can the environment serve as a channel to get people engaged with each other who might not be ordinarily? Well, as, as the peace process quite sadly fell apart, um, we found that environment, and particularly water resources, are issues of such mutual dependence that they bring people together. Um, There isn't a water source in the region that doesn't cross political boundaries. So uh, so water in particular is an issue that everyone can understand, school children, adults, mayors, they can really understand the basic nature of protecting our shared water resources. And fill us in a little bit on what the water situation is like in the region. Well, uh, there's real war, uh, water scarcity in the region, no doubt about that. Um, some, some countries naturally have more water resources. Mm-hmm. Israel naturally has more water than Jordan. But when it comes to Israel and Palestine, the Israeli occupation certainly impacts the amount of water that Palestinians receive. But beyond that, there are also real challenges and threats of pollution. There is, in fact, large-scale pollution of the existing water resources from poor management um, due to lack of sewage treatment facilities, Mm -hmm. lack of sanitary landfills. So that, too, is a common challenge because it doesn't matter who pollutes or who's disposing of their waste um, inappropriately. The fact is that all three peoples will suffer from that. It's easy, I think, to understand how pollution is going to impact everyone. So we all have an interest in protecting the resource. But in terms of the allocation of that resource, how do you get people not to take sides against each other? Um, We highlight, we spend a, a great deal of effort in highlighting the water reality of the other, making it personal, mm-hmm. bringing communities, bringing school kids to uh, see the water reality of their neighbor. Um, that makes it a more personal, a more human story that wakes people up to think, okay, of course there's animosity if people don't have enough water for basic uh, uh, human services, basic human needs. And that's very, very powerful. Can you give me an example of the the kinds of sort of perception changing things that people witness? Um, we we uh, very very regularly take uh, Israeli Palestinian Jordanian kids together on on summer camps mm-hmm. on tours to see their shared water resources. When the uh, when the camps are in Israel, 
often the comments made by Palestinian and Jordanian kids is, wow, you have water flowing in the tap every single day. Mm. We don't have that. Um, on the Palestinian side, there's animosity. There's a sense of, well, that water uh, should be flowing in our taps, but it's been taken away. But then they hear from the Jordanians that they, do don't have, they too don't have water flowing in their taps. But there, the conflict is not the source. It's poor infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So that uh, heightens um, uh, the sense of common destiny um, amongst, the, uh, um, amongst the youth. It heightens the sense that, well, we need to work this through and animosity on its own is not really going to help. Right. Um, it, 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 it's amazing to see how the penny drops that we're in the same boat together. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit about Good Water Neighbors, a specific program that you're working on. Well, this is an amazing program where um, we've identified communities that are literally neighbors. They're, they're several kilometers apart on either side, uh, on bo uh, on either side of, of the political border. Um, or the green line, mm. um, uh, yet they share a common water resource. The water literally flows through the communities so that they can witness with their own eyes the mutual dependence. Um, we've identified a person, a staff person, um, coming from each one of, those, uh, of these communities that is um, a staff person of our organization that leads a process of awareness um, of the common water reality that the communities face. Um, we have created in every community a group of water trustees. These are young people that uh, volunteer part of their time every week mm -hmm. to learn about their own water reality and to learn about their neighbor's water reality. They undertake concrete projects. We've converted a school building in every community to a model water building where we're collecting rainwater harvesting, where we're undertaking rainwater mm -hmm. harvesting to improve the water um, uh, services for the school. That means, for instance, in, in one of our Jordanian schools, that kids come to school every day and know that they have water um, uh, coming out of the tap. That means that the toilets of the school are open every day. Before the project, there was only water being provided to the school four out of six days. Wow. That, mean, that, that, that would mean that often girls would not be sent to school at all mm -hmm. um, because the parents would not allow such a situation. The boys would go out, these are rural communities, the boys would go out into the fields, the girls simply would not be allowed to come. Um, major changes taking place. We're working with adults, we've created an adults forum in every community uh, where we have professional planners working um, with the adults in the communities to identify the environmental problems that the community face and try and think about the solutions. Because these are border communities, very often these are cooperative solutions. Um, that are being put in place. And, and then we, we, we've taken it even further. Uh, we have cooperation with our mayors. Um, we've had all of the mayors of the Jordan Valley and the Dead Sea jump into the Jordan River together <laughs> as a common sign of, uh, as a common statement of common commitment mm -hmm. to clean up this river, which is in a dire state. Now, obviously, these are people who have been geographically close forever. How much interaction was there before these projects? And what was the quality of that interaction? Between Israeli and Jordanian communities, there was absolutely no interaction. Even after the peace treaty uh, uh, between Israel and Jordan, which was signed in 94, for most of these communities, um, until this project came about, 
They really did not know their neighbour at all. Um, the typical stereotypes and animosity continued despite the peace treaty. Between Israelis and Palestinians, there has been significant contact until the first and second intifadas. Um, and, of course, the, 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 the challenge after uh, the, uh, the second intifada was to reconnect communities, to show the human face, because a whole generation of Palestinians are growing up knowing Israelis only as soldiers, mm. and a whole generation of Israelis are growing up thinking Palestinians are only terrorists. And that is what we have to break, that we are um, uh, neighbors, that we are all humans, that we have the same type of um, objectives, the same type of desires to live in a healthy, um, uh, stable environment where we can bring up our kids. You've been at this for 13 years now, and as you've said, the the politics have changed up and down over the course of those 13 years. Has the work on the ground changed? We, we, we've definitely have to, had to adapt ourselves to the reality of the uh, political situation. When there's heightened conflict, mm -hmm. when there's violence in some of our communities, and that has certainly happened, we've had to postpone events. We've had to uh, uh, lower the profile of our activities. We've had staff members that have been shot at. Um, we've had uh, staff members that have been threatened um, by extremists because they've been labeled as collaborators. Mm -hmm. And therefore we've had to respond to that primarily, first and foremost, to protect our own staff. But our staff and the communities that we work with are incredibly courageous. That's the bottom line, that despite the conflict, because the conflict you know, sadly has not stopped throughout these 13 right. years. There's been heightened times of violence and there are times of less violence. But nevertheless, the, the, the conflict is there constantly. And um, we've shown over these 13 years that we can continue to work together and expand our activities despite the conflict. And we believe that we are part of a growing movement of people-to-people -people, uh, organizations mm -hmm. that are changing the reality on the ground. Do you, I mean, we frequently think of peace as something that we put in the hands of government. Is that sort of a, a conception that's doomed to failure? On its own, yes. And that's what we've seen um, over uh, this last hundred years of effort of trying to uh, promote peace in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. um, resources and you know, the vast majority of resources are focused on our governments. Um, to bring political leaders together to sign a document. Of course, that's important, and we can't do without that. Right. But if we don't have the grassroots support for peace, then um, uh, we're not going to get there. The leaders don't have the basic support. And even if we do have the odd leader, the exception like Sadat in Egypt, mm -hmm. that came to Jerusalem and signed a peace treaty, without the, 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 the support of Egyptians across the board, there is a real concern, and I'm very concerned, that the peace treaty between Israel and Egypt, for instance, is at risk mm -hmm. because there isn't grassroots support for such a treaty. Do you think that if your method can work in the Middle East, you know, a, a region that's almost synonymous with conflict, that it could be adapted for other parts of the world? We're often invited to present uh, the results of the Good Water Neighbors Project uh, to other forums 
um, uh, be it in the Balkans, be it in Eastern Europe, uh, be it in Central and South America. Mm -hmm. And we do some of that. Um, we, we've, pre we've prepared various reports that um, highlight um, the lessons learned so that the model can be replicated. Um, and, and indeed, there is great interest. However, we're, we're, um, we, don't, we don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. um, the conflict of the Middle East is so intense and we're so committed to solving, to helping to solve these issues that we really do spend 99% of our resources in our own region um, uh, preparing documents, reports that we, that we, that we do hope that others uh, will indeed learn from. But that's not your work. That's not our work. Your our, work is in the Middle East. Yes, that, 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 that's our commitment. Um, we all come from the region. That's also the uniqueness of our, of our organization. It is the only Israeli, Palestinian, Jordanian organization that exists in any field. Wow, that's amazing. Going forward, what do you see as your major challenges and goals, say, for the next five years? Well, we actually see a real opportunity um, at the uh, present political constellations. Um, quite sadly, the, the war in Iraq has meant that there is a realignment of interest um, between uh, uh, some of the moderate Arab states mm -hmm. to move forward in solving the Middle East, um, at, at least in solving the Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict. Um, and we need to really invest all our resources to, to make sure that that moves forward. Um, in our own uh, organization, we are developing a draft uh, treaty on uh, water and environment issues. We've, we've brought together some of the leading Israeli and Palestinian water environment experts. And in these coming weeks, in fact, we will release what a peace treaty on water and environment could look like. We're challenging our governments to move forward. We're saying that we don't have to wait mm -hmm. until a final settlement to start resolving some of these core issues. And environment and water are some of the basic issues that can be resolved today. They will, t they will go a long way towards confidence building in helping us move forward on some of the other issues. That's very, I've never heard of that approach before. That's, uh, that, 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 that's what's somewhat unique about our organization because we work both bottom up mm -hmm. and top down. Mm -hmm. So we work with the communities in a bottom up fashion in, in building grassroots support, but we're also very active. In fact, we originally started off as an advocacy organization writing policy reports that challenge um, our respective governments. But the way that we prepare our reports is that it's written in the first place. It's authored by Israelis, Palestinians, and Jordanians hmm. together. So that, for instance, the Tel Aviv, the Israeli office of uh, Friends of the Earth Middle East, advocates the same position vis-a-vis -vis the Israeli government. The Palestinian office advocates the same position vis-a-vis -vis the Palestinian Authority. Mm -hmm. The Jordanian office vis-a-vis the Jordanian government. And that's very, very powerful because we're coming with the same message to our respective governments. What brings you to Yale? What was your interest in the World Fellows Program? Firstly, this is an amazing program. Um, it's an opportunity to spend four months away from the region um, to really rethink where we're headed, mm -hmm. um, uh, an opportunity to spend time with 18 other 
outstanding individuals, outstanding leaders, and to learn from them mm -hmm. because there are so many other experiences that we indeed can benefit from. Um, the faculty are outstanding. Um, I'm developing relations today with various faculty, with the Divinity School, um, for instance, to uh, develop a plan to, uh, to heighten the religious um, awakening, the religious importance of the River Jordan. Mm -hmm. um, we're working on saving this river, the river that basically today is a sewerage canal. Well, raising the awareness of the religious community here in the United States and across the globe will do wonders in our advocacy efforts. It'll support the communities along the Jordan River that, that we're working with. Similarly with the forestry school, um, determining minimum water flows. These are the type of scientific um, uh, details that we don't have on staff. Mm -hmm. And uh, by working together with faculty here at Yale um, and, and add the name of Yale mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, to the advocacy program, um, is of tremendous benefit. Students, there's so much interest amongst the student population to come and intern in our region. Oh, have you had a lot of chance to interact with undergraduates? Tremendous opportunities. Um, uh, the World Fellows Night brought 300 wow. undergraduates uh, up to Tibet's house to see the type of work uh, that we and uh, other World Fellows are undertaking. Um, we speak at the uh, Master's Tea mm -hmm. um, on our various issues. Um, uh, on Thursday, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking before the Forestry School, um, again, before undergraduates. Uh, we offer internship opportunities you, quite uniquely in Tel Aviv, in Bethlehem, and in Amman. Um, so that uh, uh, you know, th there's uh, such a wide variety of opportunities of, of building relationships that will go way beyond uh, uh, this, this short month, this short four-month period that, that, that we're here at Yale. Thank you. We've been talking with Gidon Bromberg, director of Ego Peace, Friends of the Earth, Middle East. For more information about the World Fellows, visit yale.edu slash worldfellows.